I want to look at Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. At best, my relationship to this passage is complicated. Um, I want to note a few things before we actually look at it. When the scripture was written, there weren't verse markers, there wasn't punctuation, and the grammatical structure would have been different than what our English is. And so when you go to read different translations and you see different verses broken up as sentences and they, they vary from each other or the thoughts aren't quite the same, the translators are doing their best to, to kind of figure out what was said and then put it into our setting. And it's just not simple. Uh, Should you ever receive a text from me, um, which is rare, of course, uh, I don't bother with punctuation, uh, and I don't really care to. Uh, If it's halfway close, I send it. Uh, And and if I don't look at it carefully, it may not even be halfway close, but I, I push the microphone button and away I go. And whatever comes out, that's what gets sent. And in some ways, um, they didn't have the punctuation. They didn't have the separations. And so very similar um, to what we have in a, a thing like that. And, and so when you're, when you're walking through a passage that, like this, I love the big picture that Paul covers because that's, he does that in the start of his books regularly. And he has a, he covers the principles of life before he gets into the application, particularly in Ephesians, it's easy to spot. But that said, it's like he gets caught up in some of this uh, descriptiveness that drives me nuts, you know, where, you know, in a verse and a half, you can use blessed three times and it all comes out different. I'm going... You know, in English, we would never do that. That's a violation, you know. Well, he didn't have those rules, and he wasn't bound by them. That said, there are also some other terms in this. Um, Predestined, um, foreknowledge. I've lost friends over these terms. And uh, that's very disappointing or disheartening when, you know, people you know, get caught up in this. And I want to say something about that because um, I, I dabble up to the edges and in truth, we, we want things to match. That's part of how we discern truth, right? We, things need to be consistent. And, and so when we bump into language like this, there's a thing, is this consistent language? with the, the ideas of Scripture. And, and so we, it's natural to struggle with that. The only problem is you and I only have less than 100 years on this earth. And it's been going a whole lot longer. And it's a whole lot bigger thing than we figure out in that 100 years. So there are times when our reasoning loop, you know, it's, it might be fully together as far as we understand, but it's still not accurate. Or the other hand, we may 
be on the track of truth but not have all the pieces filled in. And so there are times when we bump into that in passages like this in Scripture. And, uh, and yet, when I'm reading it, I'm looking at the Apostle Paul who had powerful encounters with the Lord, you know, where he has his salvation experience where he's knocked to the ground, he's blind, he, he gets his sight restored, but he has a, a visual encounter with, with Jesus. It, powerful. It changed the course of his life. In 2 Corinthians, this is the same man that says, I had an experience with heaven. And I was in the presence of God. I don't know fully what was going on, but he just said, I had this encounter. Similar to this Isaiah encounter that Isaiah was writing about. He just goes, this was astounding. And if you read through like the book of Acts, you see that he's having supernatural encounters on a regular basis in regard to miracles. And so with that said, he's not questioning the existence of God. He's not questioning whether God got everything right or not. He's already way beyond that as far as his own understanding. He's going, I know he's real. I know that he's got everything under control. I know that he has all of this planned and and ordered, he's in the revealing of what he's discovered. And so when we get into this, and and if it's just a a dry, sterile reasoning, and you get caught up in some words, and you're not finding all the pieces, parts, your experience is not as full as what this man is writing from. And, And for me, one of the things that I go back to is that at times when I run into things that I'm, I'm just going, I don't know exactly what this is saying. I still f- kind of fall back on this thing of, but I've had encounters with God and I've had this ongoing relationship with him for years. And it's not time to abandon ship. Rather, it's time to say, there are still some pieces, parts here that I haven't quite figured out. And that's, that's kind of what I bump into in this chapter. And so I just throw that out to you that, that um, at times I don't like his language. Uh, and I feel like it's almost like running in circles, but he, I know he's still going somewhere and I understand the bigger picture of it. But there's still a beauty to this man who's had this encounter with the Lord and has this wonderful understanding of who God is and he's doing his best to convey that to us. So, you know, he gives his normal greeting in verses 1 and 2. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Three times. It's good, but, I, you know, he's wound up, okay? And it's just... What other words do I use? You know, it's blessed be God, blessed be Christ, blessed be everyone else, because it's this is good stuff. You know, that's kind of where it seems his thinking is going, but it's with he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. 
So he says, this is a plan that, that was developed before the earth was ever started. You go, really? Yeah, no, this wasn't done on the fly, and it wasn't just, well, let's mix some stuff together and see where it goes. But he says, all of this was ordered and planned before it ever came to be. You used to have a real problem with this whole memory thing or this knowledge thing in regard to God, and it was like, you're saying that he could understand all the intricacies of creation, he could understand and order history, and then he even knows us individually to the point of the hairs on our head. You know, and, and yet that's what the scripture says. My first computer, uh, I bought a Screamer. Had 120 megabyte of memory. Two meg of RAM with the option to go into four. It was quite the machine for its day. And of course, then you're, you're told at that time, you will never need anything more. And of course, two years later, it was obsolete. And then went gigs and terabytes and, and wherever it's going. You know. um, but that said, once you come to terms with the whole memory thing, like even with computers, and you realize that they can make something that can identify every face in the crowd, the idea of knowing all the hairs on the heads in the crowd is not that much more, right? And so in some ways, it's become easier to believe in the immense wisdom of God than it used to be. Because we're even making machines that are doing a lot that, you know, can, can, can understand a lot, and we're going, if a machine can do it, surely there's an intelligence that could do a lot more. So that part of it has become precious to me in saying, yeah, he's just got a really big brain, so to speak. But he, he has made a plan from the beginning of time. And he is walking that through with our history. You know, last week, or whenever, we were looking at Samson. <laughs> I guess I could go back and look when that was, but that's how well my memory is functioning right now. The fact that God spoke about Samson before he was born, and yet used him even with his flaws to accomplish what he wanted to, and took those flaws and actually used them for his glory. That's amazing to me. That, that's, to me, in some ways, one of those arguments of, of life before birth. This is life before conception, where he talks to his parents and says, I want you to raise them this way because I'm going to use them for the deliverance from the Philistines. But he's... he's He's aware that Samson's going to make some very dumb choices, but he's planning to use those dumb choices even in the delivery. Again, a powerful mind would be capable of such things. 
Or the fact that God would speak to Abraham and say, yeah, I'm going to develop a great nation out of you. They're going to go off and be slaves for 400 years. And it's not going to happen to, to, to your kids, but I mean, your grandkids. What? Well, no, your grandkids' grandkids. He understands history. And he says, the sin of Amorites is in full. He's, he's going, I'm going to bring them back to land. I'm going to weld them into a nation. I'm going to give them great wealth coming out of Egypt. They're going to be welded together through this experience. And then this other land, the people are acting profanely, but it's, <laughs> there's more to come, and, it's some, and I am going to bring judgment on them, and I'm going to give your people this land. So we're hundreds of years away, and yet this declaration is being made, and that's what took place. So even now when we're looking at things like, why does Israel have all the attention that it gets? World, this little tiny country on this arid piece of land, why does it get so much attention? Except that there's a bigger picture involved. You know, it's, you, you look at these things and you're going, well, it, it appears that there is some kind of plan. It appears that there is some kind of orchestration of history. And then, even at the personal level to say, and I believe I'm having encounters with that divine being. How nuts is that? But that's what he's designed and chosen. And so... Paul, that's kind of where he's going with this. He says, it was designed before the beginning of time that you and I should be holy and blameless before God. Even though he knew we were going to be sinful and part of our free will, that choice of choosing one way, that we would choose bad choices and yet he has a plan even to bring us out of that. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. So it gets even crazier. This immense being, this wonderful mind, so to speak, this being who understands it all, has decided to adopt us as family. His creation, he's going to, he's going to bring them into his household, and through his son Jesus, he's going to do our best where we can come up with is adopt us, bring us into family, give us the full rights of, of his children. It's no wonder he gets wound up. Uses more words than, than I would put in there. according to the purposes of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. So regularly what he's doing is he's saying, he's wondrous, he's amazing, he's glorious. You know, he, he's throwing in these words because he's got a picture of what's going on and it, it, it's astounding. 
regarding Jesus, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us with all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. So again, he starts into words and extra stuff that was almost, to me, clouds the idea that I have forgiveness of sins through Jesus. Inside of me, there is something that says there's a standard higher than what I live. Something, an awareness in all of us that says there's a better way to do things. And yet I don't always achieve that best. So how am I going to deal with that? How am I going to deal with the God of the ages that has orchestrated history and yet I have failed? And Paul's making the declaration. He says he made provision from that even from the get-go. He planned to provide for us through Jesus a way of pardoning us and bring us into peace and into his household, you know, to free the door for that adoption, so to speak. In the fullness, he set forth a plan in Christ in the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So he said the goal wasn't just to make a, a, a creation and, and, you know, just see what would happen. But the goal was to prepare that creation in such a way that they could be brought in and everything would be like this big family. It'd be united in him. There'd be a, 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 a functioning together. Now, I, I like that he's wound up on this, but it amazes me even more. He's sitting in jail writing this. So it, it couldn't have been the best time of his life on a physical level. And yet he is, he's caught up in what will be and what the plan of eternity is, and he's, in a sense, recognizing that today doesn't mean all that much. That's why even when he could sit in the Philippian jail and be singing songs of praise to God at midnight before the earthquake, in stocks. So, I mean, he's chained in place. It had to be uncomfortable, had to be miserable in the physical, and yet he is having a great time in God because he is so caught up in the rest of it that he's going... Yeah, you know, it's kind of a distraction to have these, but it's not, the, it's not the end thing. Man, if our own lives could get to that point, huh? I mean, I, I've never been chained that way, but I have certainly grumbled plenty about the day. You know, and yet he is, he is seeing this big picture, and it, it stirs him to levels that, that are amazing. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. So again, this is a long sentence, and he just takes off running with it. But the, the idea is that 
Paul's saying, we have this inheritance in front of us that's pretty amazing. And he says, all, that brings glory to God. It, it brings honor to him to have it all work out this way. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, while we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And, and in some ways, what he's declaring is what is transpiring within us by the presence of God, that awareness of God working in our lives, he says that's, that's a seal, that's a, a validator, so to speak, in our own experience, in our own understanding of what is to be. So what's going on inside our lives from God and that we recognize his presence, he says the fact that his presence is with us today is indicative of what it'll be in his presence in the future. It's a wonderful thing to cling to. And he says, I've heard of your faith and your love for all the saints. And so he goes into thanksgivings and, and prayer for them, which is common to him. He slips in and out of this thing of prayer regularly. And it's like the two are so blended as a part of his life that it's just an outflow of his life. So he starts thinking about them. He thinks about all these grand things. He thinks about these guys are serving the Lord. And suddenly he's off into thanksgiving and prayer. Thank you, Lord, for these people. Thank you for that they found you. And then he goes on and, and, and says, um, I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. The eyes of your hearts will be enlightened. That you may know what the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So he, he's saying, I hope you can see this. I hope you can get this picture. I hope you know what our hope is in him. What an incredible thing that is. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to his, the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. He's saying, the power of God that is at work in your hearts even now is the same power that took Christ through death and elevated him and gave him a place above all other names. So if you believe that, that God has raised Jesus from the dead, then you also can believe that God is at work in your heart preparing you and developing an inheritance for you. And regarding Christ, he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He goes, now he, he goes back and he kind of recaptures this. In the second chapter, he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. He says, spiritually, there was nothing alive in you. You were following the course of this world and following the prince of the power of the air. So, as the world was drifting away from God, you were part of the pack. 
as people stepped into profanity and every kind of stupidity, he said, yeah, that was your life as well. And more than that, Satan was an influence on you. And so it's not bad enough that you were just part of the group, but yeah, you were responding to Satan as well. He says, that, that's what we were. Among whom we all once lived with the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So he says, you know, we get these evil cravings, we get these evil thoughts, and we chase them. That's what we were caught up in. And he says, that, that positions you for the wrath of God. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. So he says, you know, even though everybody's wandering that way, the provision of God was to make us alive and provide for us. I'm going to stop there. Um, I assume I'll be hitting this in weeks ahead. But it's, it's appropriate when we read through a passage like this to say, you know what? I need to spend some time thinking about the wonder of what I've gotten into. It, it's not enough to just slug it out and do my best. But there are times when it's completely appropriate to say, God, open my eyes and let me see the power of what this eternal thing is that I've connected to. Let me understand what, what your glorious love truly has accomplished. And then let that be the driving force of my life rather than just trying to achieve something each day or make sure everything lines up. Um, you know, it... it I've mentioned this, you know, I have this piece of land and I've made trails. I can't even keep those trails clean. <laughs> there are some things that, you know, I'm very aware of my weaknesses at times. <laughs> you know, you, you'd think, if you made the trail, surely you could keep it clean. And, and yet, the frailties that we bump into and we realize I don't have enough brains to make this all work. I don't have enough strength to keep it all going. I don't have... And yet, we are attached to the one who had the plan from the beginning of time. We're attached to the one who orchestrates history. We're attached to the one who knows our bodies better than we know them. And yet, he has provided for us. And he has an eternal place in preparation for us. And it's appropriate in those moments to go back and just give thanks. And to say, yeah, I don't have it all figured out. But I know the one that does, and that's enough. And do I have all of my theology 
as clean as I would like it? Not yet. But it's enough to know God. And the encounters that I've had with him are sufficient to let me know that I have a salvation that's secure in him. The scripture that he's given me gives me ample guidance in how to understand that and explore that in him. And that's what we cling to. We thank you for your love that has provided for us from before creation. We thank you for your salvation provided through your Son, Jesus Christ. Again, planned before creation. We thank you for your great love that has brought us into an inheritance through our adoption as your children. Again, planned before the beginning of time. We rejoice in you this day. Let's look at a couple things. If you're struggling with sin, then you need to reaffirm that the setting you free was planned long before you were ever born. And so there's opportunity for forgiveness. That... uh, that was set in place and established that you might be free. In the same way, if you're wrestling with direction and purpose and such things, then the God of all ages who has a plan for all things is willing to speak to your heart in that as well and to give what's needed for the day. Um, What a precious treasure we have in him. And if you're saying, well, it's been a long time since I've had an encounter with him and I need to have some of that confidence that, uh, that I'm lacking right now, then again, it's, it's time to get that established. And I, I guess I'd like to pray with you. I'd like to open the doors for that. If you're needing healing, come forward. Let's pray for that as well. But let's spend some time just appreciating the bigness of what we're a part of and acknowledging that this is very, very precious and allow them to speak that truth to us in a way that remains unshaken. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you, they, <laughs> you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy your big picture and have confidence that you have a plan for all things. Ask as each one goes into the community that you give them words of life to speak over others. Ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. God bless you.